It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Hello again, this is Brand Handley. I'm founder and managing director of ROI Executive Search, and we do retain executive search across the middle market. Today's the next step in our journey into the corner office, and I'm here to welcome a friend, Michael Egmont. Michael and I have known each other for about seven or eight years, Michael. Thanks, so, right. please. Yeah. And uh, getting to know him very uh, personally. Uh, he is a wonderful food uh, foodie, I guess is right. the best way to describe it, and a food right. expert. Uh, just coming back from Florida with, I don't know how many restaurants you gave us to, and we went back so many times, but he and I have eaten our way through now, not just Connecticut, but uh, the reaches of Boca Raton in Florida. But we're here today to talk about Flagship Networks, and uh, Michael's a founding partner of uh, Flagship, and he's an IT industry veteran with over 25 years of experience, who takes great pride in finding the right technologies to meet clients' requirements. His basic philosophy drives the company, and that's understanding clients' business challenges and delivering valued insights and outcomes through IT. Mike served for many years on the Dell Computers Advisory Council, and prior to founding Flagship, was vice president at Connect Computer Corporation and also worked at Apple for a minute. I did. Yeah. Yep. Great to hear more about that. He graduated from Fairfield University with a bachelor's degree in business management and information systems. Mike Egmont, welcome into the corner office. Thank you, Brent. Thanks for having us. <laughs> now, I think you're from Connecticut originally. Is that right? No, I'm actually a, a true, true New Yorker. Ah, right. Born, okay. born, born in Manhattan. Born in Manhattan. Great. Right. Well, tell us about that. You know, some of your early years, you know, what mom and dad did, brothers and sisters. Well, I was born in Manhattan, uh, both to uh, immigrants. My, my mother came oh. from France. She wow. was recruited to work for the United Nations. Mm. Uh, so just her and her mother came here, I think, around uh, 1969. Wow. Wow. And uh, my father came from Eastern Europe, from uh, Romania. Wow! And cool. we met in New York. Yeah. Got married. Uh, we lived there for uh, a little bit, and then we moved to Westchester, so yeah. just outside yeah. the city. Brothers and sisters? One brother. One brother. Younger, older. Younger. Younger. Four and a half. And and wow! So Romanian and French in the home growing up. Did you get exposed <laughs> to that at all, or did they immediately I, assimilate as so I, many immigrants I, do? I, I, they did actually. So my mother was from France, but her background was Russian. Russian, actually, okay. from from the very area that's getting pounded by wow. Russia, and they've retreated from that area, that Odessa yeah. region there, yeah. the port port area, beautiful area. Yeah. I've never yeah. been, but right, right, same picture. So. And dad, uh, yeah, dad, born and raised in Romania. He, uh, his parents had to make the tough choice to leave 
Romania, they had the mm. opportunity, but they, the government said, you have to leave your son behind him oh because gosh. he was an engineer right. or is an engineer was valued uh, and it was valued and they yeah. wouldn't let him leave. Wow. Uh, so they said they would leave and petition for him to come. And, um, so they, they had to do that for five years. Uh, they never knew if they would see him again. Wow. Uh, but then Nixon was the first U.S. president to go to visit Romania, and he came with a list of people that he wanted the government to let go. My dad's name was on that no list. No kidding. Wow. And they let him go, and he was able to join his family in the U.S. And Fabulous. And how old was a man, a man was he at that stage? Uh, he was upper early, 20s. Early 20s, 27, yeah. Yeah. Wow. 27, 28. Wow. How uh, did he was, make the Nixon already, list? He was already married and divorced. Yeah, and, yeah. How did he make that list? Was it? He must have been doing pretty high-level work. Yeah, my grandfather, his father, had, had made some friends with people that New people at the State Department, and it was a lot of petitioning yeah, for years. Yeah. Wow! Um, and uh, you know, at the time, there was a big interest in uh, on the U.S. government helping talented people get out, sure. and families getting reunited from Eastern Bloc countries. Right. So, right. so that's how he came. But he wow. didn't couldn't work as an engineer. Had to work driving a, a big tractor trailer around Brooklyn, and he told me <laughs> he'd never done that, and somehow they just let him do it. Uh, then he went to fixing elevators. No, uh, why, no, why couldn't he work as an engineer? What was the? Well, I, I, I think it was because they didn't accept his, 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 engineering, his engineering degree. degree so he had right. to go to Brooklyn Polytechnic. Um, and he probably had to study English as well, right? Uh, stud, study English. Yeah. 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 Um, which he speaks quite well. Right. And, uh, but he had to basically redo his engineering degree at night while driving a truck and Gosh. working, um, fixing elevators. And then he, uh, he went on to Wharton School of Business too. Got credits there, no and then, then so so was he doing the truck driving when you were born? As, no, as yeah, no, that it was, was a that short was stint. Early. I mean, basically, yeah, yeah. just to he, get he, he just I think in three years or so was able to redo his engineering yeah, yeah. degree, which he said was easier than the one he had to get in, in <laughs> Romania. Right, and right. Uh, then was able to you know get back into his yeah. career. So that yeah. that's a sort of example of the the sort of challenges yeah, besides language and cultural. Right. You know, immigrants have to yeah, potentially go, but he was, absolutely. you know, he, he was a very hard worker, was determined, you know, not to, you know, just assume, okay, well, I'll be a taxi driver. No, yeah, he, no, no, he was like, I'm an engineer and I'm going to yeah. work. And he worked his way up the corporate ladder, worked for a few corporations and was vi vice president of engineering for some big companies. Wow. So by the time yeah. you and your brother came around, he was already working back in his profession. He, he was already working in his profession yeah, and yeah. working up the corporate yeah. ladder. What about yeah. mom? Did she work from the home or did she have a profession? Uh, no, mom always worked at the UN, started as a translator, oh, okay. right. then went out to interpretation. And then uh, finally, uh, uh, she was head of French interpretation. Cool. And uh, so, you know, I got, she traveled the world and sometimes yeah. us with her. Right. I right. remember as a kid going to Switzerland, to Geneva. Sure, uh, for UN almost the whole summer, while my mom interpreted for Reagan and Gorbachev during no the kidding. during the nuclear summit. Wow! So she was actually doing the she translating. Was, she was between, doing the translating between, between Russian and Wow! Into French. So cool! Yeah. So cool! So she was involved Great. in that. Yeah. So. so so no languages in the home? Did you guys only speak English? No, we we spoke some French, yeah, spoke some yeah. Russian, right, uh, right. less Romanian, right, uh, right, but because we really didn't have, but. Yeah, so I picked up a little bit of everything and not master of none, really. So, <laughs> so. Were you a good student in school? Uh, I was a good student, yeah. above, above average, but not, you know, uh, not not you know, eight plus student or sky. Early on, I was. I think I think during high school, 
um, well, my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer oh. when I was in high school. She survived. Tough. She's yeah. alive. Wow. Uh, but that that's was really a, hard. So I suffered one. there yeah. for a little bit. My parents split just before that. Okay. Uh, they got back together. So oh, okay. <laughs> a good start yeah. years later. But yeah. uh, but that that all, I think, was partially uh, affected. Uh, but I was able to get in a good school, went to Fairfield University. Yep. Cool. And uh, so that's how I ended up in Connecticut. Was, right. uh, Not too far from here, Fairfield University. No, yeah, I wanted to go with the time I, my, we lived in New York. Right. My father had taken a job in uh, in New Haven right. uh, for Unicor Corporation. So he was out here. My mom was in an apartment in New York. I was still in West, but I moved to Connecticut. And then my right. brother went to school out here for yeah. the prep. So yeah. that's how we moved to Connecticut. Yeah. Cool. I, I was the first to sort of venture. First to venture out. out. Yeah. What about other activities during school years? Were you in, into sports or you know, uh, yeah, clubs, chess club or football, something. Basketball, football, basketball, didn't yeah. play anything in college, right. uh, just intramural sports. Yeah. Uh, but I played a little bit of everything. Thinking back to those earlier memories, um, either from parents or maybe coaches or teachers, what are some of the more inspirational things that you remember? You know, things that might have helped form or direct you in your either career or your future studies during those days. Sounds like dad was a hard worker. Dad was always a hard. My, my parents were always inspirational for us because they 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 worked hard. Yeah, um, yeah. Dad traveled a lot. My mom was always uh, often you know doing security council meetings, so oh. she stayed in the city. So there were yeah, she'd go to New York, right? She'd, she'd she was in New York, in yeah. The so they, they right. were they were they were constantly, or she was on you know trips around the world right. uh, for interpretation. So yeah, they worked yeah, hard, but they were yeah. they, their early careers. That, but so I, I think I took some guidance in that and working hard. Yeah. Um, but, uh, from, from sports, particularly, I think just, just to drive, you mm -hmm. know, just to continue to drive, I think yeah. all, all athletics are sort of geared towards pushing, pushing you to where you can go being Winning. competitive. Yeah. 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 So did engineering interest you at all, given that dad was in the profession? I mean, you ended up in it, so there's a relate relational thing there, but was that something you had early on? I mean, my son's an engineer. Okay. And I remember right. growing up at Christmas time, Harley you know, Davidson. he was the kid from five years old. We couldn't figure it out. You know, throw the instruction book to Christian. He'd read it and figure it out. And that. Were you that kind of a kid? Were you kind of into I, I was a bit. I mean, you remember in the, in the eighties, really at PCs, you would take apart, you would upgrade yourself. Right. You know, there was right. a lot of more manual type labor. Yeah. Uh, I think that was my real sort of forelay into, into computers. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I did take things apart and put them back yeah. together early on, but but it, but but I became more interested in what the thing could do. Hmm. Uh, like I was never, um, I, you know, I, I like cars, but I really had no interest in taking them apart, <laughs> right, and getting my right. hands greasy and right, all that. Right, yeah, right, so that right. that did interest me. Yeah. But but knowing how something works um, was always good. In an early age, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. had a taste of selling computers at Radio Shack in the. Uh, in the late eighties, early nineties. And that, that, or not late eighties. And that, that was really my forelay. I, I, so did you I work, I good did you work at Radio Shack? I did. You did? Yeah, I oh, worked cool. at Radio That's how I actually started. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, There's a foundation. You know, they started selling computers there. Right, and, right. you know, what I found was really the other people, the other salespeople or people that worked at Radio Shack couldn't really sell them. Right. They really didn't know much right. about them. Right, right, right. And uh, at the time, it was kind of lucrative uh, during the holidays and sure. all that. The computers were three, four grand a piece. Right, right. And right. I found, you know, as a, as a 18, 19 year old, sometimes making 
almost a thousand dollars in commission a day. Nice. Um, nice. And, uh, and and enjoying it, yeah, right. So right. I mean, if you, you could, you, you had the technical enjoying it, yeah, and interest. And people yeah. love, and you know, so yeah. so that's how I got into it. And then uh, when I went to work for, I walked into Connect actually and asked about it. I uh, was trying to actually buy parts for a computer, right? And found out that they do more than just repair; that they actually work on business computers. Yeah. And I said, "Where are you hiring?" <laughs> and I was actually told. Uh, no. And then I went into telling the person, well, I have experience. I sell computers at Radio Shack, all that. And the owner was just walking by the hall and he, he, he saw me. He said, you worked at Radio Shack? He's like, I worked at Radio Shack. Ah, and that's how I go. met the owner. And, uh, so listeners, never changes. forget the opportunity to you know do something that your future CEO might be doing. Yeah. I just went there and basically said, you know, I'd like to learn. I'd love to, you know, uh, be interested in working here. Yeah. So I just yeah. happened to get the job. He just happened to be walking by the hallway. I was they're basically telling me no. Uh, right. Right. Um, and I got the job. I, I that was how I got in. That's then, so cool. That's yeah. so cool. Any entrepreneurial things you did as a kid? I mean, obviously the the Radio Shack a job seemed to be pretty lucrative. I, I was It'd be hard to get anything else for I was always working from the time I was yeah. fourteen on doing something, whether it be right. lifeguarding that. I mean right. even in uh, high school I started to, um, I saw an ad recruiting travel agents and yeah. actually became a, you know, a, a, worked for a travel agency, senior year of high school, sold trips to spring break. That's <laughs> smart. And, to other kids. Right? Yeah. To other yeah. kids. Yeah. And I started doing that. Uh, I did that in college too. That was always a, just a side gig. I always got to go for free right. and make yeah. some money. And, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So went to Fairfield. Went to Fairfield. Uh, did you go there because of their IT program? I know you got an InfoSystems degree, or was it you know convenience? You were already up in this area. What what led you I, to yeah, Fairfield University? I I I'd already decided I wanted to do get a a, a general business degree. I wasn't sure, you know, if it was accounting, if it was right. finance, what right. have you. I, I discovered after I think four semesters of accounting, I think was part of the business degree that. Uh, I didn't mind accounting, but I never, I, I knew right away I did not want to be an accountant. Yeah, right. Um, right. You know, so I got a C in accountancy in college. So, you know, full oh, disclosure okay. here, I, I pay my accountants very well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I realized I did not want to do that. I realized right. it was important to understand a ledger and, yeah. and all that. But um, read a balance sheet and a profit and loss exactly. statement. That's all you need to do. Right. right. But I realized I did not want to be the accountant. So, <laughs> Uh, I was more interested, you know, I mean, like I said, I always had a job and usually that job was facing socially. Right. Uh, whether it be working right. at, re you know, uh, real uh, Radio Shack or sales or yeah. even travel. So working with people and, you know, in general, seeing what how I could help them, whether right. it be something they wanted to right. Right. purchase or a problem that they had. That was kind of, I think, something that went through, I realized yeah. I didn't want to just sit in front of numbers. Right. It, it, whatever I did had to involve interaction. So. Had, had did Fairfield did have an info systems degree? Was that something? Yeah, that they did. But, well, it was a minor. So I did a business major, business major yeah, and then yeah. and then started taking in those days. Systems. There was yeah. still, you know, not a lot of uh, developed degrees in it. Well, no, you, I was already I was already interning um, at Connect. OK, um, while, while you were while, still while I was, school. Uh, you know, my my um, you know, last couple of years of Fairfield. Right. And um, so I realized that one thing I saw was that what I was learning in the information system side in college 
was so outdated with what yeah. what I was already doing, what the they're real doing world. then. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, learning about computer technology using vacuum tubes and things like that <laughs> and punch cards. I remember doing punch cards, uh, Fortran cards in yeah, college. It was, I'm it was, older it was great to get a history lesson, but, but nobody used that <laughs> it stuff. It was like you know, excavating dinosaurs. Right. 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 Um, so, so I found that the information security at the time was less practical. It wasn't useless. There were definitely a lot of conceptual things about how information flowed and right. how to design a system. Yeah. to function. Yeah. But, you know, when I went over to work, it was really about what technology exactly right. speeds, feeds, dollars, you know, ship dates, purchase orders. Right. It, it was right. it was very different. Yeah. Than, yeah. yeah. Well, Connect was was one of your first jobs, Correct. but you told me just before we got started that you had a little short term gig with Apple. I had a short. Tell stint, us about that. Yeah, I had a short stint of Apple. Yeah. Um, and it was here. On the East Coast, it was on the East Coast. Yeah. It was based out of New York. So those that what what year are we or what decade was it? Because Apple's gone through so many different iterations. Yeah, so I just graduated from um, uh, from Fairfield U. From Fairfield U. Uh, and after backpacking through Europe for right. a while, nice. and there was gap uh, years are good, listeners. Right. And so <laughs> there was this opportunity. So I thought, okay, well, let me do this. So I, I paused. You know, I was just interning at Connect. Um, and so I, I went to work for Apple for a few months and that was, uh, that was fine. It was a very different company. Yeah, of course. Know, so then. this is 19, uh, 1995. Yeah. yeah. And, and there was a New York office or where were they? It was based? a New York, New York office. New York I never office. went out to California. It was yeah, a really yeah. junior position, but yeah. Apple had come out with a product called the Newton. Oh gosh. And oh, remember so this, this, you might yeah. say this was like, yeah. you know, I'll look that up in the really the iPhone, archive. iPhone zero, you know, <laughs> yeah, 0. 0.0. Yeah. So it was, it was Steve Jobs' vision before the before the technology came around to right. make something right. the size of the iPhone. Uh, so it was really more of a pocket computer. It was a yeah, lot larger than your right. iPhone. It was yeah, a I remember it. black and white screen. Yeah. It was before the Palm Pilot. That's right. And actually, that's what actually killed the Newton was yeah. the Palm Pilot was, a, you know, a third of the size, yeah. you know, a quarter of the price. It was way less. It didn't recognize handwriting or a lot of the features couldn't connect a wireless fax card to it. Right. But there was really no market. The Newton at the time was, I think, fifteen hundred dollars. Wow. And you're wow. talking 1995. Yeah. So yeah. the only people that we could money. sell that to were really executives Medium who, who really, yeah, yeah right. executives that needed that kind of right. remote functionality. Yeah. So I went around and traveled uh, to New York and other, uh, you know, Connecticut and basically tried to train uh other people and selling the newton it was so, so like you're kind of a sales comp usa or... and stuff like that so sales was, support position yeah, sales yeah i was the apple representative yeah. that would go there and try to try to teach uh these there were a lot more computer stores back then right right i would yeah. try to teach these people about the product and how to sell it yeah yeah which cool. was ended up being a flop but <laughs> but uh, that was hey out of that came the iphone so, that's right you know right i mean that's that's very i just typical. needed to stay at apple another 15 years <laughs> well yeah. you went on to uh to connect i went back to connect and and so and you had, you, you had internship job. with them that's right and then was it when was that when you got the the conversation with the ceo about radio shack or was that actually when you came back and worked with them full time, uh, that conversation was just to get that to get intern. that internship. It wasn't really yeah. internship. I mean, it was a it was a paid yeah. part time yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you had know, your in there, and, and, and yeah, and I was involved in sales and all that. Yeah, right. Um, so I took a pause from there, and the only other thing in between was somehow I ended up uh, bartending and promoting at a at a bar nightclub. <laughs> ended up assistant managing that, <laughs> and 
uh, turning down a big corporate job actually that I got and my parents wanted to like, I think practically disown me. <laughs> I was having so much fun. I was living on the beach yeah. in Fairfield and making good, great money, more money than people, my friends were making in, in the corporate world. Oh my goodness. Uh, but so I did that for a little bit, but then I, I said, okay, this isn't, Time this isn't for me. So I, so I so came came back to looked connect. at other jobs and then came back to connect. They offered me a full time job and now were you in a sales job. capacity there? Because I know you left there as a VP of business development. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I was you know I went from internship. I was basically just uh, everything, Mo right. mostly sales. But right. I, I what I liked about working at a small company, which I never imagined I would. Right. Um, How big I, were they? Uh, yeah, you know, forty people. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you know, about the same size you are today. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, but I always pictured that I would work for going through uh, college that I was going to go work for some big, big company, big corporate. Well, you yeah. tried it. You worked for Apple. Right? Yeah, I guess. You, yeah, that was. So you kind of had your foray into that. Yeah. And, and yeah. in some ways, I don't because I was on the road after training. I I almost didn't. I didn't go to some cube farm. I didn't right, really, right. you know. So in that sense, uh, but yeah. when I had interviews at big companies, I. You know, I just remember one, I think it was Anderson Consulting, they're defunct now, they're Accenture, I think. Yeah. Now. But they they laid out my life like the next <laughs> the next five to seven years. Yeah. They're like, first you're gonna spend two years learning some proprietary coding language, which nobody else but our company uses. Then you're gonna do this, this, yeah. And they asked, and I just remember the asking them, so at at what point could I work actually with clients and yeah. solve problems, right. interact? Right. So well, you don't really get to do that till Maybe five years. Five years then. Oh and I my. said, well, that's, you know. Well, thank goodness they laid that out for you. Well, yeah. Right? Well, I, rea I realized it wasn't for that me. That wasn't said, for you. They're yeah. telling me I have to be a backroom coder, right. analyst, everything. Right. And I don't actually get to talk and deal with Who wants client that? situations. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I didn't want that. personality. Yeah. When, uh, do you remember when you first started managing people? It must have been at Connect. Right? It was at Connect. Yeah. yeah. I managed yeah. some and sales. And what role were you? Sales, sales, sales manager? Yeah. I worked, managed yeah. some sales and operations yeah. folks there before. What were some of the challenges that you had in those early days? Were, were they people that were older than you and had been? In the uh, yeah, for a I had while? some of that. There was some some definitely difficult situation. Yeah, there was you know, I remember a salesperson, you know, 10, 10 plus years older yeah. than me. They yeah. didn't really like that. A I little was... chip chip on their shoulder. Yeah. How'd you handle that? You know, how do you handle those difficult situations? You know, I I I I, I tried to always give the treat them with respect yeah. and always you know not. Not micromanage, but I, I had to set things if they were right. But as long as they were doing their job and right. and certain ways, I wanted things done. Yeah. But otherwise, I never I never said you know I got a chip on my shoulder. I'm as right. yeah, I'm trying to right. you know uh, act like it. And, listen, and it you out. listen to them. You hear because they, they've got them. some yeah. legacy knowledge. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's I think important. once they, if, in general, if you treat people with respect and yeah. they don't think you're a jerk or some, you know, <laughs> right. uh, you know, I think that's, that's the comment. Sometimes it doesn't always work, but at least I feel like that's how you have to approach yeah, yeah, your absolutely. relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, we've all had uh, mentors and a few tormentors in mm -hmm. our careers. Do you remember any mentors that, you know, were important to you as you were, you know, climbing the ladder and going through your years? At Connect, there was um, uh, a guy named Ed Duche. Okay. Uh, and he hey, Ed, if you're listening. Fortunately, it passed away. Mm. Uh, well, up, upstairs, bro. upstairs. Yeah, <laughs> so he he was a he was a great mentor. He was. I sat outside his office and listened to how he 
talk to clients. Wow. Um, was he in sales? Or was he, he was in sales. Yeah. 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 And he actually was VP of sales before. Okay. Before you took over. Uh, took over. Yeah. And he, yeah. he uh, yeah, I learned a lot from him. Learned about um, how to be confident, how to disseminate mm. information, I think, quickly. Yeah. Uh, he had to, you know, learn, study the sheets, learn what's important and, uh, you know, get there. Whereas I, I, I'd always like, okay, you know, here's a stack of everything I need to learn. I'm right. going to go through every page and learn. Right. And he would, he taught me how to know where to find the information that mm. you need. Wow. Uh, sort of, a, he said, you know, a, a great lawyer doesn't know every law or case by heart, right. but they know where on the bookshelf yeah, to get where to find to, it. Where yeah. to find it. Yeah. Yeah. They need good. It. That's a good so, lesson. Yeah. Yeah. What about tormentors? You don't have to mention any names, but you know, it's kind of behavior that you saw that said, wow, I never want to be a leader like that. Oh, people that I... Don't mention their names. Okay. <laughs> behavior that you might have seen, you know, as you were coming up, particularly in the sales organization and said, wow, I, I, I'm not, I'm never going to be that guy. I'm never going to do that thing. Yeah, there were, there were others. There were Okay, without mentioning names. Without mentioning. Yeah, the, yeah. Be, describe the behavior. I, I, describe think the, the, I think the behavior of either um, trying to pull a fast one to make yeah. an extra buck, not yeah. doing the right thing long term. Right. Uh, I always felt. Overpromise uh, and underdeliver. Correct. Kind of thing. Yeah, I never wanted to do that. Yeah. I never right. wanted to have a bad. I said it's it's going to be a bad relationship. Either right. they're going to hold you against it or right. whatever. You never, right. you know, so uh, I recognize right right away. The idea was long-term relationships do right. And you'll have long-term relationships yeah. for life. Yeah. That's, I think that goes personally or in business. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So flagships almost 23 years old. That's unbelievable. I know. I know. Yeah. I was saying, you're a young guy, man. You were, you're just a kiddo when you got this thing up I and know. running. Now, what was the motivation behind that? Did you work with your co-founder at Connect, or was that kind of an industry thing? Tell us a little bit of yeah. The, I, I worked with I worked with someone who was head of engineering at Connect, and we had left uh, to start our own company. Right. Um, at first, we thought it would be in partnership with people at Connect. Right. Um, we we wanted to work on cloud before it was called cloud, and proactive IT management versus reactive. Right. Um, and uh, we we met our third partner. Uh, who, who also helped invest in the startup, hmm. uh, who's my current partner. Who's your current partner, right? Because you bought the other partner out. Right? We did, yeah, uh, about five years, yeah. five, six years ago, yeah. 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 Uh, well, what was kind of the founding principle? What did, did you see an unmet need? You know, what was kind of the, or, or was it a better mousetrap? You thought you could do something better than what Connect was doing? Or was it a totally different, you know, direction? Yeah, was it, a, I mean, uh, we, we worked at Connect, we we mainly worked with a solution called Novell, right? Which got, you know, now no one uses that. Right, right, right. Yeah. At the time, you could use that, and Microsoft was starting to creep in. So, yeah. uh, we were selling Microsoft stuff. I remember right. the, the the you know the owner was saying, "Why are you selling all this you know Microsoft stuff to Bill Gates is uh, you know the devil and and <laughs> yeah he had a real problem um, uh, with him and then you know he says this stuff. It doesn't. It needs so much work to to get going, and Novell just works. I said I can't disagree with you. However, it's what clients want. Yeah, they have the right, right vision. And All guess right. what? 
we get paid to fix this and to install it. <laughs> and, you know, we're making a lot of money this way. Yeah. And he walked out of my office, like, you know, disbelief. Like, I think he knew, you know, we're doing the right thing. Right. This is, this is right. where business is going. Yeah. yeah. And um, so. That was the, that was the start. So early years, you know, tough to get going uh, or what, yeah, it was kind of the we go-go were, years. We were really it was back small. in they what, were 2000, right? I mean, that's kind of when we got, things got started and the internet was exploding. We had the big, you know, dot-com right. boom and exactly lots of right. stuff going on in the tech field. So did you, were you, did so, you take customers away? Did you kind of, you know, create a new direction on it? Uh, we, we did work with uh, some customers that didn't want to, State, but we were, we were, so we started off the business really, uh, it, it was hosting essentially. It was yeah. called application sure. service provider. Yeah. It was cloud before cloud, right. Uh, right. you know, and so that was our model. Yeah. So we really were interested in pursuing that. And in the early days, uh, besides our initial investment, we had a couple outside investors. We were, we were looking for big money and really launching this. Right. Uh, again, this is before Amazon AWS. Before right. You know, we never had that kind of aspiration to be that big yeah. or Microsoft, but but a hosting company nonetheless. Yeah. Cloud company. And um, so what we found with the dot com bus just a few months into it, as we were going to some of these venture capitalist meetings, we had, these propositions were like, Yeah, we'll get you ten million and we only want, you know, ten percent <laughs> of, of your company. company. Right, right. And, you know, like three months later, four months later, it was like maybe we can give you a million and we want ninety percent of the company. You know. Wow. Uh, Big so shift. then it was like, well, no, thank you. Yeah, so right, in the mean, right. meantime, uh, a lot of our old clients were asking us, you know, I need my mail server fixed, my backup, yeah. you know, all local stuff, which we said we were going to uh, avoid because we really right. wanted to do a hosting business. Right, right, right. Um, so then we said, okay, well, what do we do? I mean, we're not going to get this big funding yeah. that we wanted to set up by yeah. a set up a big data center and which all is that. probably a good thing in hindsight. In the right? end, in hindsight, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Thing. So we said right. we could either split up or we could get jobs. I had a job offer in the city, right, right. Uh, which I considered one in yeah. Austin, Texas. I said, yeah. or we can figure out how to yeah. do this. Because the issue we were finding was the with support. the dot com bus, you had companies that had, you know, thirty million dollars in VC money that were basically in the same bit trying to host people's right. business. Right. And they would go out of business. Yeah. So now all of a sudden there was this uh, hesitation to by that we found from businesses, small businesses and medium businesses to just give their data to you. Right. Not knowing, you know, financially, would you stay in business? Because yeah. everybody was going out of business in the dot com. Right. Right. So uh, so we shifted models and we said, OK, we'll go back to what we were doing and manage IT. However, from the start, we we said we wanted to be proactive. So we looked for something to basically evaluate, tell us, monitor systems, basically, All right. and tell us when when there were issues. So it wasn't like, you know, the, the way we always did IT in the 90s was reactionary. It was like the right. fire department. Right. Yeah. Customer yeah. would call you yeah. and tell you everything's not working, support, right? right? And yeah, then you'd, you'd run like a fire department right. over there <laughs> With and the fix it. <laughs> you still get some of that unavoidably. But, sure. but basically uh, today, and uh, you know, now more or less the called managed service providers, right, which right. we call MSP. ourselves an MSP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but before there was that term MSP, yeah. we started that. So wow. this is like, you know, 2001, 2002. And yeah. we, we, we morphed into that where we were proactive, proactive managing yeah. and they would have to, clients would have to sign up for basically a, a, a management agreement. 
right, right. versus just, hey, we know Give you, you a call. here's yeah. our hourly rate, right. call us right. when you need call us. We realized that that wasn't a good model. Yeah. Right. Because um, so you get the started. commitment, you have the ongoing. You get the commitment, you build the relationship. Right. And, and also, you know, there was a certain amount of maintenance that was that had to be done and should be done. And these days, security maintenance is sure. even more prevalent. Very important. And yeah. so what we found was the reasons computer uh, uh, clients had issues that when they weren't properly maintaining their network. Right. And right. so rather than try for every hour of work you try to do for them, say you have to do this. We just said, you know, hey, for this much a month, yeah, for this much a year, yeah, we'll take yeah. care of all right. your general maintenance. Right. And then here's our hourly rate for work on top of that, yeah, or we'll have right. a couple hours built in. So that's how yeah, we started. That's great. That's great. And in today, 40 employees about. Yeah. And do you serve the state? Do you have a regional area? Are you national, international? Or, or tell us about your client base. So, of course, we're in Connecticut, New York. Yep. Uh, we have some clients uh, even up in Mass. We've, right. we've flown engineers like to California right. to set up uh, a, a data center. We do have some clients that have international presence with offices in London, Singapore, cool. Belgium. Cool. But those are typically here. So typically if their headquarters are in Connecticut. Yeah. So really yeah. Connecticut, Westchester, you know, and some of New York cities yeah. are our main client to yeah, ge- cool. geography, really. So. How would you describe the company culture, Mike? I think we have somewhere in between a friendly, relaxed setting and you have to work hard and serious setting. So we, we yeah. try to have a good balance. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say that is that is really the been the successful type of employee, someone that cares about what they're doing, likes what they're doing, um, but also realizes there's a work, yeah. work life balance to right. it. So. Good, you have good retention in terms of the folks. We do. We have some some really long term yeah. uh, employees, which I'm really proud of. Yeah. Um, but of course, ha- having grown from you know two three people to right. uh, to 30, 40 people, you yeah. naturally have a lot of new faces yeah. too. So. And clients as well, pretty high client retention. I, I, I can imagine. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like me and my CPA, yeah. you know, once I get that relationship, you know, I'm done. We have a, a lot of clients that, that, yeah, we've worked from since 2003. That's great. Um, That's great. You know, I think. Um, Good recurring revenue absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, how do you know when it's time to, you know, micromanage someone or, or kind of get out of the sandbox? You know, tell us a little bit about your management style, maybe, and how it's evolved over the last 20 years. So I've definitely had to try to evolve it as the company has grown sure. uh, because you, you, you just can't micromanage. Right. Um, right. But it, it is hard. It's, I think particularly for the things that you did early on, uh, it, it, it's it's hard. Sometimes the tendency is to go back to micromanaging right. just a little bit. Right. But, well, particularly when you have the expertise in the area. Yeah, like right. sales or designing or reviewing a technology, I still like to really stay in or how something is communicated to a client. Um, but, uh, but I've let go of a lot of things. I mean, look, I would, you know, early on, I would, I would uh, obviously do sales and client services. And then at night I was doing invoicing, you know, <laughs> and then I, uh, you know, so obviously I don't do the invoicing anymore. Um, I don't do purchasing. I, you know, so, so I, I've let a lot of things go. So I think, um, you know, creating those, operations and you have yeah. to you have to let people create them I yeah. mean, if you disagree with something fundamentally and if you think it's going to have a negative impact on the, the 
the client or the, or the company you have to right you have to direct right. it but you have to be able to take a top view which yeah. and developing that trust and respect Absolutely. mutually yeah you know, but it helps having people for you know the long, long term yeah, yeah you know like yeah. our director of operations he's been here for a long time or vp right. of sales uh, so when you have people you could that you trust it's it's much easier to say they got this yeah yeah so yeah. cool yeah. what do you look for when you're making bets on people and hiring them into the company. So we were talking about this the other day because hiring in engineers and reviewing them, of course, you know, you'd say they don't have a big personality typically, right? Typically. You know? Yeah. So, so while the technical aspect is important, yeah. when you work for a consulting group, you know, you're not just in an IT in a cubicle managing some right. certain technology. That's right. Um, so, our technology, our, our engineers and senior engineers, they, they need to be a lot generalists in a lot of things and then have specialties in certain things. But I really look for people that are articulate, mm -hmm. uh, generally bright, communicative, uh, because they need to be able to explain to the client, uh, you know, so a lot of times in layman's terms, because we work with IT people at some right. of our larger clients, but for right. our Small and mid-sized businesses. A lot of times, you're you're working with uh, an executive, a CFO, sure. uh, maybe even the owner of the business. So uh, you have to be able to explain the the value. And if it's a technical issue, you have to say you have to be able to digest what the issue is and and options to solve it. Right. And you have to be right. able to do that. So so you and sometimes under pressure. Yeah. Because of course, if if there's a if it's something that's affecting their system you know, then, you know, people start to get emotional sure. about it. Sure. So, Absolutely. so I think that's really the most important thing, yeah. being able to, to, to communicate. It's kind of that balance, yeah. right? They've got to have the technical skills. They but do. They're going to be client facing and you've Correct. got a very high, put a high premium on that relationship with clients. So. Absolutely. Yeah. The, so do you, we're, we're, we are in the people business and yeah, we sell technology right. uh, and manage technology, but, but really it's about working with people, gaining their, their trust to manage their technology, which is moving right. really quickly, right. going to cloud. And there's all kinds of new security solutions that, that come into play and trying to keep up with, uh, you know, all the latest things. And of course, at a budget. So, right. you know, it's our challenge sure. to try to figure out what How is the best that. responsible technology, yeah. uh, you know, without breaking the bank. Staying within that sure. framework. Because yeah. it's a cost center. Most, yeah. most businesses and clients look at IT as a cost center. Yeah. Um, and, and it, you know, it's accurate, except that it's, it's also innovation and in IT can be, can, can really help your business yeah. progress. Yeah. So. I knew you forgo, forgo, forgone an interview today for our interview. And I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I hope you get an opportunity to meet this new employee at some that, point that's in time. Part of, part of the micromanaging. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta be able my, to step back. My employees would say, yeah, you know, uh. Oh, good. Mike doesn't need to be on the first, <laughs> yeah. first interviews. We got this, Mike. We yeah. got this, Mike. But and it's funny because I always tell them, you know, you want to include me like on a third interview. Right. Right. But for me, I need 15 minutes. The first 15 minutes of the first interview, you know, I gauge the person yeah. and whether they be a fit on the team. How do you do that? What questions do you ask? What's, what's your you favorite? Know, interview then, then, then the technical people can yeah. find out yeah. if he really is, you know, right. his acumen is good. I think uh, just, you know, in general about how they approach either their previous jobs or even education. Mm. Um, now, I know there's all kinds of life circumstances that can affect a lot of things, but I look for stability. I look for mm. um, 
someone who, you know, feels like they have some kind of general direction of what they right. what they'd want to do, where they shape. If they're just a complete yeah. lost soul, or or do they do they know at least what in their past they didn't like doing? Uh, if they don't know exactly right. where they want right. to go. Do you have a favorite interview question or do you like more kind of an open-ended and have your candidates tell a story? I think not really a favorite question, but I do, I do ask people what they didn't like, what they did at their yeah. previous job yeah. or what they didn't do. Right. That's yeah. a good tell on whether or not they're going to be a good fit for you. Yeah. 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 So cool. But you never know. Every person is, is, is different. Yeah. yeah. No question. I had one guy slam his fist. I didn't like my last job. I wanted to kill my old boss. <laughs> and he was turning red. And I looked at the other guy who was interviewing me. I said, okay, how fast can we yeah, How are we going to wrap this one up? Yeah, <laughs> not, a good, not a good no. uh, way to answer a question, listeners. Well, Mike, we're just about out of time, but we always ask our CEO guests one last question. And that's what kind of career and life advice would you give someone who maybe 20 years ago you know, as at a point in their career, if they're thinking about maybe founding their own company or maybe, you know, climbing the, the ladder to become into their own, you know, corner office themselves. Always look forward. Um, and there will always be mistakes or things that you've done in the past. Learn from your mistakes and and be a better person for it. Yeah. That's something that I've, I've, I've had to tell myself that right. I follow my own right. advice and that's, that's how you continue to grow forward. Words of wisdom. Michael Egmont, co-founder and CEO of Flagship Networks. Thank you so very much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank yes. you, Brad. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.